Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, the Waiting on Reparations podcast. It's the podcast, my homie. It's the podcast. It's the podcast. (laughs) What's happening? My name is Dove Knife. I'm Lila Franklin. And you are listening. We are not R&B singers. No, no, no. Uh, We're not R&B singers. We're not croners. We're not... uh, No, we are not... Not, but we are waiting on reparations. Certainly. And um, how are you doing? Happy, you know what? Happy, happy today. I know you guys are going to be hearing this like four days late or three days late or something like that. But happy International Women's Day to you, Mariah. Thanks. Yeah. Which uh, I guess little known fact, uh, International Women's Day started off as International Working Women's Day oh. as a uh, socialist holiday. Oh. Um, to celebrate the international female proletariat. So shout out to my my working class ladies everywhere. Shout out Holding to the down. pros. Shout out to the pros, the hoes and the pros. Like, what's up? Those are my people. Um, we see you. We see you. We see you. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, lesser known. It's funny to see it get co-opted by uh, like corporations and shit. I don't know if you saw like on Twitter today, there's this bot that every time a corporation or like a company tweets about International Women's Day, it will retweet it with the pay gap between men and women at that company. <laughs> and like niggas left and right have been like deleting their posts. Like, oh, never mind. Though? I guess you're not going <laughs> to celebrate women today because we got that, called isn't out. Isn't that a good thing though? Isn't that like a, a good contribution though? Like, isn't, isn't that good information to know or no? Oh no, it's great. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I really appreciate that someone took the time out to write that code. But uh, I mean, I haven't been able to people. avoid like the ads and the commercial break like every YouTube ad is like themed like that now when I'm watching shit but I mean it's it's always funny cause it's like dudes whenever I, I hear like dudes like giving their shout out to International Women's Day it's like 
heads always give example of examples of women that they know personally, which I guess is unavoidable. But I mean, it's so like, it's definitely yeah. supposed to be like a broader celebration. Like for me, it's like yeah, you know, I want to give a shout out to my mom and Mariah. It's like nigga, your and mom my had to raise you. Like, <laughs> You annoyed the shit out of her for your first 18, <laughs> if not 40 years of life. So, um, yeah, next. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Also, shout out to my godmother, Mae Jameson. You know? Yes, we need to do an space. episode on her this month. Oh, we should. You know, we definitely yeah. should. Since um, it is Women's History Month, all month long. Yeah, I don't think, you know, it should be Women's History Month every month. The same way it should be Black History Month every month. But you know what? I guess if things, if the conditions of society were such that these things wouldn't have to be highlighted <laughs> as months <laughs> in the first place and it would just be the way things are and every, you know, everyone would consider, always have this appreciation. Here's a thought. What if everything were about Black women all of the time? So it's both of the things together. And all of the time. And only that. Thoughts? I'm with it. I'm with it. I think we're halfway on the way there because uh, I, I, I just came back from the theater from seeing a movie that had a real dope black woman in it. You know what I'm saying? Zoe Kravitz was whipping niggas' asses. This Catwoman in that new Batman joint. It was, it was fire. You should check it out. You remember, when I, we're, yeah. you remember when we were talking about The Matrix a couple weeks ago or a month ago or so? Like, yeah. It's the complete opposite of the Matrix. So, like, we're the like Matrix. what you mean, good? Yeah, like good. You know what I'm saying? With like good <laughs> acting and like. Is that still the opposite of bad? A, like, I'm just checking. I'm a just theme checking and in. a point of view. You know, it was not. Nah, it was dope, though. I, I recommend. We, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll gush over it some other day. But women's, women's uh, International Women's Day. What are we talking about? So this week, you know, it's Women's History Month. It's Women's His uh, International Women's Day today. So this week we are paying tribute to a woman we lost almost two years ago to the day, Breonna Taylor. Um, last week, her one of the officers involved in her death, Brett Hankison, was found, was acquitted of charges of wanted endangerment for shooting into her neighbor's apartment. Not even for her murder, so but for... So his only consequence is he got fired. Only consequence is that he got fired. So yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about all of that. Revisiting the case, also talking a little bit about the erasure of racial violence against black women in terms of just like Black Lives Matter movement. And then no-knock raids, which are still a thing now. An ever-worsening crisis in some ways if you look over the last couple of decades. And just kind of talk about like black people's rights to defend ourselves or lack thereof. You know what that just made me think of you saying that? So George Floyd died, Breonna Taylor died, Ahmaud Arbery died. Motherfuckers marched for that whole summer, right? And two years yeah. later, people are still getting shot from no knock warrants and shit. Yeah. Like we didn't we weren't even able to change that. Whereas like the fucking January 6th motherfuckers did their riot, their legitimate like assault on the state and a year later like 30 states have implemented all these ridiculous Republican laws in anti-voting legislation and shit like that. See how that shit works? It's just fucked up. And that's one topic I want to get to later on in the show is like revolution fatigue mm. of like 
are putting it on the left of like there's a catalytic moment and everyone takes to the streets and then like nothing happens and everyone stops. I'm like, I think it's gonna require a little more persistence than that, people. Yeah. And so like, what do we do about that question? But yeah, we're gonna get into all of that today. But first, we'll take a little break. We'll be back after the jump. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, party people, in the place to be, you are listening to Waiting on Reparations. We are back. So, Mariah, this case, I didn't... Uh, why is it, do you think, that uh, this didn't make the news like that? Do you think it's because there's so much going on? Because, you know, truth be told, I didn't know about this until we were getting ready to uh, do this episode. 
And I guess I right. kind of fell into that malaise that everybody else fell into, where it's like, okay, Derek Chauvin went to jail. I guess everything's going to work itself out. In this case, kind of went out of sight, out of mind. So, no, why? absolutely. I feel like this has been, this has garnered surprisingly mute response. Little, little. I haven't seen Very it anywhere. Little, yeah, I, I haven't mean, like, seen a trending you, yeah, topic. I, guess, I haven't seen a hashtag, nothing. Nope, nope. And like, any other day, you, you know, people hashtag say your name, all that stuff. And yeah, I think that does come down to what I sort of talked about at the top about like, quote unquote, like revolution fatigue. I don't, that's not a good term for it. Listeners, if you have a good, better term for that, holla at me, DM us on Instagram or something. I but, think revolution um, fatigue fits though. I mean, it's, it's not, not, it's not the most um, flattering, I guess, phrase coming depending on your point of view, but it, it sounds accurate. Because some people are part of this don't even aren't even about revolution. I don't even think I want that either because that sounds like messy and ouchy. But you know, it's a lot of people out here like just want the ba- the bare minimum, like no knock raids to not happen anymore. Period. You know, and like we haven't even gotten that. But like it just is so exhausting. I mean, and during at the time, like white folks were getting made at the time, like you know, uprising in twenty twenty. White folks were getting made fun of for like talking about like allyship fatigue. Like, oh, I'm so tired of being an ally. I'm so exhausted from being in the streets because it is traumatic. Like putting your body on the line against the cops. Like, what do I? Am I gonna die today? Am I gonna lose an eye today? Am I gonna like cry today? Am I gonna eat some fries today? You know what? Like, not knowing what's gonna happen, and so it's exhausting. It is exhausting. But you think um, a contributing factor might be uh, just some of the ways in which we consume media now, where it's like everybody has a short attention span, and yeah, the twenty-four hour this. news cycle doesn't help because there's always a new calamity, like literally every single day. Um, there are increasing numbers of people who have utterly lost faith in um, the criminal legal system. Like that's, you know, it's become a very mainstream understanding that justice does not come through like the punishment bureaucracy. Like after Ahmad, the Ahmad Arbery verdict, you saw so many like, you know, Senator Warnock and like all these like progressive organizations and politicians talking about how true justice could not be gained through a verdict because true justice would be Ahmaud Arbery still being with us today. And the fact that people are willing to acknowledge that now, very mainstream figures, people with a lot of power, just shows how much the Overton window has shifted on this issue. But it also explains why, like, kind of nobody, like, very few people have given a fuck about this because it's like, well, of course not. Like, impunity remains the status quo for police officers like the overwhelming majority of cases, it took nationwide rioting in order for us to even get um, Derek Chauvin arrested. Like, Dr. Carlson. Protesting, but also like, I nationwide protesting, but but I've been talking about this lately. I think that nonviolence only works because the implication of violence. So like nonviolent marching and all that shit, only works because they're scared that you will burn shit to the ground. They're like, oh my god, this mob, what if we don't appease them and they, like, you know, storm the Capitol, right? And so, yes, peaceful protests, but also I imagine the, the you know, burning of the third precinct in Minneapolis didn't 
you know, and I'm sure that contributed somewhat to them being like, oh shit, we better fucking do something yeah. or we're, no, we're it, in it danger. Def definitely did, definitely did. Damn. Not at all advocating for those tactics, but I'm sure it weighed heavily on their minds when they were like, uh, do we actually hold these people accountable or what? Because often they don't, right? Often they ago. don't. Do you remember Jeez. being up that night when that when those when the precinct in Minneapolis was burning down? And like I do. I do. Yeah. I felt like I was like, wow, this is a new day is here. I, I, I don't didn't want to wake up to this day, but here we are. Time okay. to pour some coffee and get on the bus. Well, we might be dropping the lead a bit. So just to get everybody caught up to speed. So exactly tell tell them what the situation is with Brianna Taylor's case. Okay, right so I mean, just to review the facts, um, March 13th, 2020, um, Jonathan Mattingly, Brent Hankison, and Miles Cosgrove three agents of the Louisville Metro Police Department forced entry into Breonna Taylor's apartment and as part of an investigation for drug dealing. They thought her boyfriend um, was a drug dealer. Her boyfriend thought the officers were breaking in, trying to, you know, rob them or something and fired a warning shot at them. Um, the officers fired 32 shots in return, killing Taylor, but, un but um, Walker was uninjured, uh, her boyfriend, Tyler Walker. And so, um, in the aftermath, Walker was charged with, I think it was attempted murder, later dropped, you know, charges. But, um, the, but Brett Hakeson was brought up on, um, was indicted for wanted endangerment. So the AG, the Attorney General of Kentucky, did not give the jury the option to um, try him for any kind, anything connected with Brianna's killing. Like it was already predetermined that that wasn't a crime. That's not something they could indict him on. So they gave the jury the option, the grand jury, to bring him up on charges of wanton endangerment for endangering her neighbors by yeah, firing around fucking there, randomly, right? right? So um, that's where we were at um, up until about last week. We had a bunch of you know rappers from Kanye, Lil Baby, donated and supported Brianna's family's legal team. She'd shown up in a variety of songs, including Tiana Taylor's self-directed um, music video last year, uh, where she dressed up like Brianna Taylor in her EMT uniform. It was kind of like cringe, but like a, a thing that happened. We had that but, on the show, um, yeah. But yeah, so um, here we are. Brett Hankison was fired. Um, the city of Louisville did agree to pay Taylor's family $12 million and reform police practices. But um, ultimately, Hankison was acquitted of all, of all charges, never charged with her death. Actually, um, Miles Cosgrove was offered with her. Ballistics determined that he was the, actually the person that killed Brianna. But uh, he was never charged with anything. Brett Hankison acquitted of one endangerment. Only, only consequences he faced was being fired. And it's my understanding the other two, actually, let me look this up real quick. I think the other two still work for the police department. Do you know um, when this verdict was reached or when the, when it was dropped or whatever? Um, was first things first, let me see if this guy still works for, um, he was acquitted. Um, four days ago. Okay, so four days ago, didn't even make a blip. I didn't hear anything about that whatsoever. Um, yeah. So I mean, this like all fits like a trend, like a, a going trend of like during these, you know, with all of with with the fervor that gets, you know, that comes up when these sort of incidents happen. It definitely seems like 
there's an imbalance of the attention it gets when it happens to a black woman as opposed to when it happens to a black man now. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't sound circumstantial because, like, the, the cases of the black women are just as tragic and just as chaotic or newsworthy or whatever, sensational, whatever you want to apply to it that makes these things, like, big stories and people's, like, in the public lexicon and shit. So, I mean, what's going on here? I mean, I do think it ultimately is a matter of, like, of the media. I don't think it's a case of, like, these communities themselves not raising this issue and raising hell. It's whether or not it turns into a movement regionally or nationally by whether or not it's getting picked up by CNN and how to what degree the protests on the ground are getting covered. Um, so, like, I just can't explain it any other way because particularly with the way that the, like, contemporary incarnation of the Black Lives Matter movement are really the whole time. It's been led by black women who have insisted that all black lives matter, centering trans folks and centering uh, queer folks and women and all like all of us. Um, but really, it's just I think I just think it comes down to the media, what they report on, what stories they think are important um, and the way that then allows these stories to catch fire in the public imagination and inspire wider um, um, awareness and action. Because think, for example, okay, so think about Ahmaud Arbery. So people down in Brunswick were, like, raising hell about Ahmaud Arbery way before that video came out. They knew something was fucky about the whole situation, but it wasn't until the video came out and that got picked up by the national media and national pundits and activists that that whole shit popped off because it got into the national media. Um, and so I think that's the case with a lot of these black women were, like, the folks on the ground are like, what the fuck? I mean, the video's key. Unfortunately, like, people have to see it with their own eyes to actually be upset about it. Um, Increasingly so, now that we are paying closer attention and also not because we're all exhausted from how much attention we've paid to it in the last few years. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, yeah, no, that's... I think that's exactly what it is. It's, like, it's fucked up because, like... (laughs) The video really is the key. It's like, especially now, you know, people have to have that visual stimulant. I mean, you know this. You, you make music. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of not even worth putting out a song unless you have something visual for people to look at now. So maybe there's something like that because our brains are geared towards seeing that, that when we see the Ahmaud Arbery, you know, like you said, the Ahmaud Arbery situation happened way before anybody saw that tape. But seeing that tape is what kind of spurned that and made that a thing that went into you know, the public consciousness and stuff. Same thing with George Floyd, whereas we didn't have a tape of Breonna Taylor. Right, right. And, and would we even be saying Breonna Taylor's name today if George Floyd hadn't been killed a few months later? Like, you know, we, we heard about that shit. Like, you know, her, her death came days before yeah. the pandemic really hit the United States. And folks were like, oh, that's fucked up and sad, but then they like, didn't do anything until we watched George Floyd die. I mean, you, you know where I stand. On, you know, like I was saying, even back then, like I even wonder if any of that shit would have happened if we weren't in the pandemic. Like I'm not, not even sure yeah. about that. Like, does that? And I wonder to what degree as well the pandemic has influenced that sense of revolution fatigue, where like people are also experiencing pandemic fatigue, and like. You know, at the time where, like, folks then felt like there was no other option to hit the streets. Now there's, like, well, you know, I'm vaccinated, but I'm not boosted. And, like, you know, doing this dance around what's safe and what's not in a more, like, a more thoughtful place than at the time. We were, like, 
I don't, you know, give me, give me the coronavirus. I'm out here. I'm out here in these streets. I don't give a damn. Um, so what are some other cases that have like oh man the yeah like so that? I mean, I, mean yeah. I know the the one that happened in uh, Columbus Ohio with um Makai how do you pronounce her Makai Bryant oh that was actually she was in a uh, like a fist fight in her yard yeah. and that's how she yeah. got shot so also like whatever happened with that never heard about that again thanks national media appreciate you for that but um. Real quick, though, I wanted to bring up two other women that were killed that, like, no, like, people didn't, like, have never talked about the same way they have talked about male counterparts of a similar kind of death. So, Ayanna Stanley Jones, seven year old, um, you know, cost bust in her house and accidentally shot her dead. No outcry whatsoever com- comparable with, like, Trayvon Martin that happened a couple years later. Like, Trayvon was definitely like a, like a critical moment with like Black Lives Matter, I think, of like growing awareness, growing movement action nationwide. I would say in the modern era, that probably kicked it off. I mean, what was that? That was like 2011, 2012. I would say that like after that, and then Mike Brown a couple years after that, that was kind of the yeah, start. Yeah, Ferguson of was like the real like pop off moment. Exciting, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, Trayvon was like the definitely planting the seeds of that. And then going even farther back, I mean, I got a song on this on my new album that we played on the show last week, talking about the killing of Latasha Harlins, um, 16-year-old girl, you know, shot in a convenience store. The um, killer, like, pretty much got, like, a fine and, like, community service for, like, murdering a teenager. Um, and so on the ground, people on the ground in Los Angeles, this was a big deal, this was fucked up, but it wasn't until the video of Rodney King getting his ass beat that like the LA riots popped off. So, I mean, that like, same kind of pattern. That visual element though. Say what? That visual element though, you know, like. A visual element though. I mean, you're right, you're right. I mean, part of it is seeing it with your own eyes. Um, Yeah, so we're going through that again and again, and we're still going through shit with no knock warrants to this day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what those are. I'll let you take it, because I've talked a lot. No-knocks are issued under the belief that any evidence they hope to find may be destroyed between the time the police identify themselves and the time that they secure the area, or in the event of where a large perceived threat to the officer's safety during the execution of a warrant. So, in other words, like, you know, if they think somebody's going to go flush some drugs down the toilet, or if they think that somebody's particularly dangerous at the minute that they hear police, that they'll pull out a gun and start spraying at the door, pretty much it's like... A, a, a paranoia or fear that every situation they're going to get in is going to turn into Die Hard Part Three. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's 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 kind of you know that's a layman's logic behind the idea of a no knock. So why is it so persistent? Why do they use no knock so persistently? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's to do with the militarization of the police since the 1980s, where it's just like. Because they can, they will, because they've been given more tools, the flashbang grenades and the and the armor and the drones and all this shit. They're just like, well, we have it. Why not? You so know, and a sense LARPing. that, um, yeah, co- you know, LARPing, you know, loving the power play or whatever. Um, also, as a function of like creating dangerous situations for themselves where there isn't actually a threat to like re to like reinforce 
their own under like their own beliefs about how dangerous the job is. So, for example, yeah. like you know, policing is not even in the top ten most dangerous jobs in the country. Most cops but die they in need, car accidents. Most cops are you know, or like coronavirus these COVID, days. Yeah, COVID killed more cops COVID, in 2021 than anything else. Than anything else, anything else. And so they're like, okay, we need to create this really tense situation to make ourselves feel scared, to like justify how scared we, we think are we should feel in. about this job. Yeah, proceed, like, you know, inventing threats where there are none. Um, so the and, use of uh, no-knock warrants yeah. increased substantially over time. Uh, by one estimates, there was 1,500 annually in the 80s. Whereas by 2010, there were 60,000 to 70,000 no-knocks or quick-knock raids conducted by local police annually, the majority of which were looking for marijuana. So they, they Doesn't go. that just fucking just blow your mind? Yeah. Weed. A plant. A dried plant. I can walk down the... Look, I can walk down the street smoking a joint full of dried tobacco plant. And that's cool. But if that dried plant is weed i can be put into metal shackles strip searched uh deprived of sunlight um de- deprived of contact with my family uh, like what the what, 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 what are we still doing i mean what are even, we still doing? even even if you wanted to like let's say you just even if you wanted to give an inch to the argument and be like oh, okay no you you might need this you know, for the the things that you encounter when you're, you know, serving a warrant or whatever. Even just thinking about, like, from a practical nature, like, if it were to go wrong, the repercussions of that would seems like, you know, that should influence several hundred thousand judges to not give out 60 and 70,000 of these damn things in a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, you burst into the wrong person's shit, obvi- like, you drop a flashbang in a baby's crib, blind them, you go into something, you see somebody on the couch, they're surprised, you shoot them. Everybody, There's 300 million guns floating around the country, everybody's got one, and then you're gonna, like, burst into my house? Into my house, nigga? Like, you're just gonna burst in. That's what's crazy, is that, like, that's how you that's how it's you like, know that the shit is not happening to people who quote unquote matter. Because if, right. if they had to live with even the possibility of the threat of if there was even the possibility of the threat that a SWAT team could bust into Elon Musk's house accidentally and spray him up. Or spray up his what you know what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't be doing that shit. No, you're right, though. You're right, though. And, like, our our right to, like, what is our right to defend ourselves? We had an episode on this recently, but, like, in one of these, well, it wasn't a super recent case. I think it was 2006, but 92-year-old lady, Katherine Johnson, here in Atlanta, assumed her home was being invaded during a no-knock raid and fired a warning shot over the officer's head, as anyone would do if their house was getting busted into. But police fired 39 shots in response five of which hit this 92-year-old lady. And one of the officers was later convicted of planting three bags of marijuana in her home. And then the others, I mean, okay, this is a rare case what, where, like, uh, shit actually happened to okay. people. While you're saying the next one, I need to find out what the hell happened to those cops. No, so, okay, so one of the officers was convicted for planting weed in their house. 
And then the other officers involved in the raid um, were convicted of manslaughter, of uh, making false statements, uh, conspiracy to violate civil rights, um, resulting in someone's death. So like they, they were actually held accountable for this. But like nothing's gonna bring, this, you know, their grandma, their mom, their neighbor, their like, you know, little church lady that brings the fruit bread or whatever, like back. She's dead. Oh, and shit. so like it's just banana that she was like thought someone was breaking to her house so she fired a warning shot and they just like lit her ass unloaded up. with their like does that sound like anyone who is trying like whose number one priority is like protecting life and protecting the peace and and trying to make sure that nobody gets hurt does a, a bunch of yahoos fire letting off 39 rounds is that you know what I mean? I'm not, like, I've never been an operator or a military guy or anything like that, but that sounds like, hey, man, if if you don't want to, like, hit somebody who doesn't deserve to be hit, like, would you just go into somewhere shooting 39 times? Or, but, or, or if you're so petrified that, like, you heard a gunshot, warning shot or no, and this is, all of this I'm saying is why I'm not a cop, but it's like, if you hear a gunshot, warning shot or no and your immediate response is to just unload your gun in a direction till it's empty that doesn't that doesn't sound like good police work yeah i mean yeah and that's why i've increasingly come to refer to police and prison supremacy in this country that like this like policing and prisons matter more than like anything like collateral damage of like killing a child or imprison- falsely, imp- you know, um, imprisoning someone for decades um, for a crime they didn't commit. Like, none of this shit matters. Um, the, the thing that matters most is, like, keeping the system propped up, protecting the people that are killing the people. Like, that's the number one thing. And so, like, the term supremacy invokes, usually you hear it in, in, in relation to, like, white supremacy. And they are interlinked, but it's, like, a way to refer to the, way- to the mattering of these institutions more so than human life. That someone protecting yourselves, like if I for some reason was a police officer, I would be like, all right, kill me before I gotta kill yeah. you. Like, you know what like, I mean? Like I'm here to protect and serve the public. I'm willing to like, actually willing to lay down my life. Like if someone, I think it's firing a warning shot, like, cause I'm breaking into their house and they shoot me, like that is the, that's part of the duty. Like, like, I want that to be that way. That situation shouldn't arise the, in the first It is place. the job, but it's literally the job. That's the thing. Is like, the whole entire idea behind a police officer being a hero or you, like, having, like, the, the, like being, like, a heroic figure in society is based on the, like, premise that you're endangering your life and that you're sacrificing your life and your well-being and your safety for the good of everybody else. Like a police job is supposed to be, I'm gonna risk my life to protect everybody else. Not, I'm gonna risk everybody else's life so I can feel safe. I can fucking do that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like straight up. Let me do it, yeah. Like I'm I'm five, six, 135 pounds when I have change in my pocket. Like, yeah, if like, if I get into any sort of like scuffle or altercation, I'm fighting for my life. I, you know, rather be judged that's by the name of the game than let us do it. I mean, that's, I don't know. You know, but I want to be clear because I don't want to like talk about whose lives matter more. Like in this instance, it's it's really that this is a, an, an avoidable situation. Like 
they were coming after this little old lady for weed. Um, next case we're going to talk about, they're coming after this guy for like $50 worth of meth, which like, meth is bad. really wish people weren't doing that. But also, like, these situations don't have to arise at all if we treated this like a, the public health crisis that it is with regards to more serious, more serious substances than weed. Because weed is not even a problem at all. Um, but yeah, it's bananas. It's bananas. We live in a police supremacist state. But to move on to another story from Georgia, another pleasant one. Actually, this is... Whoo, this is a lot. But um, Cornelia, Georgia... Um, a police informant alleged that he bought 50 bucks worth of meth from this 30-year-old dealer at a residence belonging to his mother. What was the man's name? Juan is Thonateva. No, I don't want. I don't want to. Kind of want to. Don't want to say it because I'll mess it up. Oh no! Th- okay. I think I think Juan is Thonateva. But I mean, we try. Okay, Juan is Thon Thonateva. Thonateva. Yeah. I don't know. I just skip over it. Oh, okay. So this man did not reside at the house. Um, but you know who did? A family with four young children. So, uh, sheriff's deputy for Cornelia secured a no-knock warrant. Um, and, uh, you know, just apparently woke up the county magistrate at his house and, like, making false statements to him to secure the warrant. But in any case, they executed the warrant, throwing a flashbang grenade into a room containing a 19-month-old child. Um, the grenade exploded in the child's playpen, causing severe burns and other life-threatening injuries that ultimately required the child to be placed into a medical coma and receive more than $1 million in surgery. So this became the subject of a lawsuit against the police department to pay for the medical bills. Um, you know, the, the legal case argued that like, there's literally like a, a child's plastic pool in the yard and packaging for the playpen play that the infant was sleeping in next to the door that the police came in. And like, there was literally like evidence everywhere on their approach that there are child, that children lived in this house. Um, like what kind of gross negligence could you imagine beyond this? I'll tell you what type of gross negligence is. They don't recognize that as being a human child. Let's just keep right. it, police keep supremacy. it above, All right, it's, it depends matters. on yeah. what neighborhood they're in and where the cops who are doing the shit are from. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. they're walking, if they're in a black neighborhood or, or or whatever, and they see a kid's pool, that doesn't register to those dudes who are all geared up in their shit with their MP5 ready to go. Like, they're not thinking, oh, there's, there's children running around. That's just what it comes down to. It's like a lack of like, like a, a lack of empathy like you know what i'm saying like a, a lack of recognizing the humanity in others really it's really gets me plainly yeah yeah and the way that fear plays into that in to sort of say well i feared for my life to just completely erase and minimize any sorts of situational awareness or concern for other human life that comes into a situation like this where like if you're scared enough, you can say like, oh, well, I was, you know, terrified. And so I didn't see the child's plastic pool in the yard. And it's like, because of police supremacy, it's like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, a good enough excuse. Yeah, good enough excuse. You're cool. And, and things are bad. Things are bad enough if you even just say, hey, shit happens. You know what I mean? Like even, even just chalking stuff up to, hey, 
this is their job, shit happens, and you know, it sucks that that little girl got burned or that person had to die or whatever. But like, even doing that is, and this is how you know conservatives and right-wingers are full of shit about it, but even doing that is like making the, like, the mental leap that people generally aren't like really that corrupt at heart or at nature which is like the whole conservative like mindset so you're let you're giving police in general in these institutions all this power and all this unaccountability and you're not even factoring into it like yo what if what if some of this shit was deliberately done you know what i'm saying like i mean you've had you've had gangs gang units busted and cops doing illegal stuff you had you had cops arrested for they're selling drugs you've had the cops cover up murders and stuff like that so like let police like have this sort of like to have let them have this power is assuming that you know somebody won't use the excuse of a no-knock warrant to make a hit on someone or to kill somebody oh, yeah, they no don't like. and then yeah Thinking about like, like as- civil asset forfeiture and their ability to just like steal stuff from people. You know the phenomenon um, of swatting. Swatting, yeah, yeah. All that shit. Um, just like yeah, calling in SWAT hits on people. Like, oh, this person's making a bomb, so you can like. Here's a question. Take them out. If somebody, let's say somebody called some, let's say somebody swatted someone else, right? And the cops. You know, the cops did their no their no knock thing or whatever, and some and the homeowner got shot. And they they found out who the person was who called in that swatting. Would the district attorney try that person for murder? No, because it enabled them to like. Because then it would, that would implicate the, 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 the cops going the in there just like an out of control death squad, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a way in which like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Am, I, am I making sense? Am I saying? Am I saying that clear enough? Because maybe I, I didn't. No, like, no, that right. makes sense. And I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know like case history about whether that has ever happened. Of someone I, mean, it's, 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 I don't think it has happened. I think that I think the day that that happens is going to be one hell of a case. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to say for certain, but like it just it feels to me that if a district attorney can press charges on someone for attempted murder for them calling the cops on somebody else <laughs> like you're kind of you know what i mean like you're it's like yeah well, what else did you expect the cops to do except go kill that person <laughs> it's pretty much i don't what know how you thought it was gonna turn out homeboy <laughs> yeah but um thankfully the county did end up paying this family uh 3.6 million dollars including um, 1.6 million for pain and suffering, so the child's surgeries were covered. But the search yielded no drugs, no dr- drug dealer, no weapons, and the grand jury in Habersham County um, declined to indict any of the participants in this raid. Um, though ultimately, the federal federal prosecutors did secure an indictment against one of the deputies, but then she was acquitted. By any wrong for any wrongdoing, uh, so it's like back and forth. Like, oh, maybe the feds will do it. Oh, the feds aren't going to do it. Oh, maybe no. Oh, no, no, no. And it just comes down to money. They just like, oh, here's some money for all your pain and suffering and a lifetime of trauma. Have a good time. Do you when know it doesn't? Might, it doesn't bring back what you lost. You know what might cut down 
on police brutality if like someone makes a strong effort to go after prosecute prosecutor misconduct and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know what I'm saying? Like if if prosecutors have to start paying like gigantic fines or they start losing you know their their ability to practice law or shit like that when when like cases that they tried turns out the person was innocent you know what i mean or that they unfairly went after somebody i think you can i think you can probably bring a civil suit against someone for like wrongful conviction i don't know i need to not talk about shit i don't know about i know a lot (laughs) of things i don't know that but um no, yeah, no. But like you're like pay a fine, pay the fine to who? A higher court that's also super corrupt. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's turtles all the way down, man. It's fucked up. It's not it's mm, mm. Well, um let's uh take a little break and then let's come back with some uh final thoughts on this issue cuz you know, we de- we definitely don't want to keep it all doom and gloom and stuff like that. So, yeah. we will take a break and we'll be right back. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Dope Knife, Lingua Franco, waiting on reparations. You know what it is. So, Mariah, what are what are your parting thoughts on this? Like, what what can I mean? What can we do? Is, I don't even want to ask. Like, what can we do to bring awareness to this sort of thing? Because, like you said, it's not about weighing which case matters more. And like a lot of that stuff, you know, you can't really control it. Some things, for you know, for good or bad. Like some things, just like catch the public's attention and public eye comes out at the right time, the right moment, and the right context whatever so what what are some of the things that people can do just generally to raise awareness about these cases that slip through the cracks in general well i think what this all of this tells us that no one remembers iana stanley jones that people didn't talk about amir Locke, 20 year old killed in a no-knock raid maybe about a month ago in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, the police department, which is like notoriously one of the most corrupt and violent in the country. Like raising awareness isn't doing it. I think that when we come back to this question of like quote unquote revolution fatigue, where people are just so tired of hearing about it, sadly, is that folks who were new to this in 2020 and have been more aware of it ever since and trying to struggle against it, even if superficially, did not have robust resiliency practices in place to carry them through how long this fight will require of us. So um, folks just were throwing themselves out there every single day and giving themselves PTSD, getting getting secondary trauma from like watching all this death on social media. And they didn't have, we'd like just living in a capitalist like society, don't, we lean on consumerism to make us feel better by like, oh, let me order some Uber Eats. Let me watch the next episode of Euphoria. Let me buy a new hoodie on, you know, Instagram shop, which is what I do. I have a retail therapy problem. Yeah, check out. Yeah, I'm wearing my like for, for everyone collective rehabilitate decarcerate shirt because that was make me feel better when I'm tired and sad. But um, so, yeah, we don't know how to just care for each other like deeply. And um, we need to build that kind of practice in order to sustain our engagement with, with the truth. You know, people raise awareness and people, for us to truly continue to engage with it, we have to be ready to, by like being in a deeply grounded place. And I think there's additional value to that in that some like folks of like an abolitionist strain, they don't fuck with the state at all. They like, the government ain't never gonna get us free. I kind of get it, having worked in the government, I'm like, wow, this shit really isn't getting people free. That's weird. Um, And so they're like, it's us, we keep us safe, that's it. And so thinking about that in terms of like longevity of the struggle, like, all right, we're gonna take care of each other to help us get through this because we gotta keep fighting. But also if the state's not gonna give you the substance abuse treatment or the mental health counseling or the community garden or whatever you need to promote community stability, you go out and do that shit yourself. So both in terms of like a um, like a practice to keep yourself sane and also a way to minimize the reach of like state violence by just being like, you know, we don't even need to we don't we don't even need five of around here. We like do our own thing. We're good um, is like a way forward that I think 
um, it's worth considering. Because I don't know, I think awareness is getting raised. The shit's getting retweets or whatever, and it has the five minute segment on CNN, but those people don't know how to like be how well to enough to it. keep it, to keep engaging, to keep acting on it, because they're fucking quote unquote tired, you know? Well, one of the things that y'all can do is uh, check out um, the National Police Accountability Project and other organizations like that. Um, you know, see if there's any volunteering things you can do. Retweet a post, donate if you can, stuff like that. There's there's definitely people who are out there doing the work. And, you know, it's just like Mariah just said, it's just going to take like a collective consciousness to, to get these things done. Shit, throw me some money. If you throw money around, Venmo, Mariah, yeah, you know, Parker, waiting. hyphen too. I'll be out here every day, baby. I need that Uber Eats. I love consumerism. I need a couple hoodies. Waiting on reparations, you know? We're, we're always yeah. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, if women's history month, like, bitch, what? What are you doing? Well, shit, I they're mean. They're me right now is what they're doing. I can well, hear it. I can hear the ching, 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 ching on my phone. Why don't we vent it? Hey, why don't we vent it? Let's let's get into some rapping. But before we get into some rapping, there's something I wanted to talk with you about. I want to talk to you about it like while the show is on, not like off air or anything like that. But we I, have we've had this idea, like sort mm-hmm. of like bubbling in inception since the beginning of this podcast. And I kind of just want to talk to you about it so that everybody can hear us because, like, I want them to anticipate it, too. But we've been oh, no. kind of talking then about doing gonna, an episode oh, where we're oh, completely no. rapping in whatever it is we're talking about. That the entire, the entire topic of the episode, we're going to discuss it in the form of rap. It's going to be very difficult and logistically challenging for the two of us to do with our schedule. But I know... Mariah knows, and all the people who work on this show knows that when we do get it, it's gonna be kind of fucking amazing. Maybe so. or it'll be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have confidence. <laughs> I have confidence in our team. We'll we'll get it right. But anyway, y'all look out. That's gonna be something that's gonna come up soon. Maybe Mariah can do a poll as to what the topic will be, because a debate might actually be the best way to go about it. Oh, like back oh like back like, in Porch Fest when yeah, we had like a freestyle rap debate about whether hot dogs were a sandwich. <laughs> and Mariah was pro. Well, were you a pro or against? I think I was pro okay. and I also think I was pro in that I won. And I was like pro Yeah, no, I think you won too, because who the yeah. hell thinks yeah, like I mean Who the hell thinks that hot dogs aren't a sandwich? Yeah. Well no. That's right. Is that the other way around? I don't know. I just know I was really upset that I lost for a couple days. I'm a sore loser. <laughs> the real question of the ages is whether or not cereal is soup. And with Hell that, no. Hell to the no. That, That's some white people. I've been waiting on reparations. <laughs> I'm with Fla, I have flawless opinions. <laughs> oh, and I'm, I'm Dope Knife. And, check, well, check. Why, are we, why are we saying goodbye right now? Yo, Joel, drop a beat. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Waiting on reparations. Yeah. I burn down trees like napalm bombs. Weed in my jeans like Radon Chong. You come in with that whack shit where I'm from. You don't get found till the seance done. My brother spit like he's mentally wild. I see an army of the dead. Black folks and they're stressing me now. Them cops that shot Brianna wasn't meant to be out. So when I say your name, I ain't talking Destiny's Child. In my hood, every day is Woman's Day. We don't go the crooked way. How fuck a right winger tell me what I shouldn't say? Mothers of the earth, you fool. Give me my 
my reparations land and my goddamn mule. We're celebrating women's history, and so I want to give some honor to Brianna in case you thought we forgot her, because the police still roaming these cold streets with no leash. Saying whatever they gotta say to get over it. They pull up on you with no notice, guns cocked and loaded with the muzzle smoking when they leave holes up in your clothing. A crater in your sofa where your son have been napping two years after we lost Brianna, the same shit stay happening. We coming for the sheriff, coming for the deputies and the captain. Don't matter how long that it takes. We gonna be running and running, winning this race. Ah. All right, now we're done. And I'm, that was, I'm Dope Night. I'm Kedrick. Hi. And I'm gonna uh, go eat some soup, AKA a bowl of Captain Flakes. <laughs> I mean, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Bye. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.